0: You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. You'll see from the slide on the screen that I've chosen a title for a sermon today to illustrate the passage that I want to refer to, and I've simply called it Two Spoiled Boys, Luke 15, 11 to 32. I really wanted to call it something else. I had a different name for it, to something else, but my wife made me, uh, refrained me and we're settled with two spoiled boys and you can work that out for yourself. I'm not trying to draw any parallel with anybody here in this church. I'm sure there are no spoiled boys or spoiled girls uh, here uh, in this church, although, like anywhere else, there's no perfect family on earth. And we're going to look at a story in the Bible which is a family, It tells a story about a family long ago. Now, Jesus often told stories. Uh, Of course, we call them parables, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And they're very good stories. And from those stories, he taught many very important things about the kingdom of God and many important things that it would do well for every one of us to put into practice. Somebody asked one time, how many parables are there in the Bible? Well, some tell us that there are about 37 parables recorded in the the Gospels. Luke records more than anybody else. He records 24 of them, 18 of which are unique to him. Matthew has 23, with 11 parables unique to Matthew's account, And Mark has eight parables with two that are unique to him. The Gospel of John, which is written from a different perspective, has no parables, none of the parables recorded in it as such. But the story that we read together in Luke 15 is found only in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. And although it is only recorded in one of the four Gospels, the story of the prodigal son, and that's a very bad title, incidentally, has been classified by some scholars as the greatest short story ever told. It is, of course, a Gospel illustration. And it would be better entitled as the the loving father, Because, of course, the person that is important in the story is the father, not the son who went AWOL, but rather the father who received him back with open arms in the same way as our heavenly father receives us with open arms whenever we come in faith and in trust and seek his salvation and commit ourselves to him as indeed we should do. I want to draw some other lessons from that story today that are sometimes overlooked. But I want to say right at the beginning, we need to grasp this, and the slide will show you. uh, The singular central truth that this story illustrates is that uh, it is a gospel story. Is the next slide coming up? No, don't worry, don't worry. The next slide uh, is a singular uh, gospel story that whenever we make a conscious choice and come seeking salvation and seeking our heavenly father because Jesus offered himself sacrificed on the cross this is the essence of the story as it is the story tells us clearly that there is hope for all who turn to him and it tells us that if we like the prodigal indeed that we need to turn to him and we must never let that truth pass over us. It is a very important, crucial message in this story, a gospel story of how we need to return to our heavenly Father and find the kind of a welcome that the prodigal son found. Well, the story is well known. It hardly needs reiterating. Under Jewish law... Uh, the father had certain, or any father had certain rules he had to follow when he was dividing up his property. Apparently, the elder son was entitled to two thirds, and the younger son one third. And it was not unusual for that to be done uh, when the father was living. For example, he might have retired and he would have split up his farm and sorted out his affairs and signed over his farm or his property at that stage. Let me say something I've often said in pulpits where I've been minister, and I am without apology, and I don't want to offend you, but I want to say it today. I believe there are three very important things that people should do in their lifetime, and particularly as they get older, but not just older. I think that every person should do, whether young or old, and fact, the first and the primary one, of course, is to sort out the affairs of their soul with their maker. That's very, very, very important. And secondly, I believe then that we should sort out any differences that there might be between our fellow man. Sometimes there are little differences and, and rifts and, and problems in families. It's a poor thing to leave earth. With those kind of things unsolved. That's the second. And the third one, I believe that every person, no matter what age they are, no matter what they own, they should settle their practical affairs and make a will. Now, I say that here from the pulpit today because I have seen in 40 years of ministry many cases of situations where uh, no will was made and an endless problems that exist, and endless squabbles and difficulties and breakdowns between families, all because a father did not sort out his affairs. Three important things. Sort out our affairs of our soul with the Lord. Sort out any differences on a human level and sort out practical affairs to make things easier for those who one day will come after us. It doesn't take a day of our lives. Right, two spoiled brothers. Now, the younger son, we call him the prodigal son. Uh, Here's a question that I want you to consider in your thinking. Why would the prodigal son leave his father's house when everything he needed was there? Why would he leave? Let me suggest some answers to that question and the next slide will give us the first one. The first thing I want to say is that he took his privileges for granted. Now, many people do. He thought that maybe the grass was greener over there. But you know, taking privileges for granted, it's all too easy for all of us, whether we're Christians or non-Christians alike, no matter what our level of faith, to take things for granted. And one of the things we often take for granted is our health and strength. Is our health and strength. I'll digress for a moment. I have a friend who's always moaning a wee bit. And I don't give him any sympathy. And he's in pain. And I would say, how are you? And, say, Ach, and he says, well, you know, I've got two sore knees and I've learned a lesson because I really will have to be a wee bit more sympathetic to him now that I know what he's in. We always take our privileges for granted, don't we, in terms of health and strength. And not only that, of course, friends and family and maybe the opportunities that you have to serve in this church, this church itself. I want you to stop today and just to reflect on all the blessings you have. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Or to use the words of an old hymn to remind us, and we should do it. Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you when you stop to realize what the Lord has done. He took his privileges for granted. I'm sad to say we all do it from time to time. The New Testament letter of James refers to the danger of boasting what we're going to do in the future. Today, tomorrow, we'll go here, there, and do this, that, and the other. Of course, it reminds us, and we see it from the story, that we do not know what a day brings for any one of us. We don't know if tomorrow even will come. So there's the first lesson. Don't take things for granted at home or anywhere else you may be. The prodigal son took things for granted. Another reason he left home when all we needed was there, was simply this. He didn't know what was out there. He couldn't see round the corner. Well, nobody can see round the corner. He thought it was going to be better. He was going to leave all this work behind on the farm or, or whatever. He wasn't going to be answerable to his, to his father or listen to his older brother chirping. Oh, no, he was, going to, he was going for a new life. But he did not know what was out there. And what he didn't realize is he was walking into chaos. He was walking into a place where there was going to be a famine. Now, he was a Jew, and he, 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 he didn't realize that he was going to have to even get, not get a living, but get something to eat, and he'd like to eat, feeding the pigs. That was an abominable thing. It's hard for us to understand that in our culture. That was an absolutely abominable thing for any Jew to have to sink to. He didn't know what was out there. You know the story in the Old Testament about Abraham and Lot. And Abraham was dividing his farm at where because it wasn't quite they weren't getting on too well. And they said to Lot, "You, you have a choose where you want to go." And Lot looked over and he saw the Jordan Valley and it was green and there was water there. And He chose that area, but of course it became an area of real difficulty and real trouble, as you know the story. He didn't know what was out there. Yes, we sometimes have to take a risk. And indeed, we have to act in faith. But here's another thing about the prodigal son. He didn't count the cost. He refused to count the cost. And you know, the path that takes us in life, any path that takes us in life away from God, leads to pain and not gain. And sometimes in life, and we say it to young people as good. It happens to everybody. Sometimes in life we, ex- we ignore the sign which says don't go there. Don't go there. He refused to count the cost. The prodigal son lived obviously to regret bitterly the decision he had made. When he came to his senses he thought to himself how many of my fathers hired people who have nothing have better than I am. He lived to regret what was there. But the interesting thing is this he did what some people will not do. He did a turn right round. That's what the word repentance means, you know. The Greek word, our, the word in our Bible, repentance, translates from a Greek word, metanoio, which means turning right round and going in the opposite direction. And that's exactly what the prodigal son did. He turned right round and wore power to him. And uh, uh, he turned right round, he ate humble pie, he returned to his father's home. Well, thankfully, he found a gracious welcome. I pray that God will give us all the grace and the wisdom, yes, and the courage sometimes, if we stray from the good path in life, to realize the blessings we have, never to take them for granted, and to realize that the allures of this world or the temptations that seem so attractive at the time that are leading us down the wrong path are not worth it in the end. We must always remember to count the cost. We are living in days when many people, and especially young people, are influenced by popular culture. I suppose we were all influenced by popular culture, even those of us who are older. The only difference is the culture has shifted somewhat. But uh, nowadays, we are interested in social media uh, has changed things considerably, uh, uh, and we have access to all kinds of things that generations didn't have, and uh, and we know more. But you know, uh, and I'm not downing it in one sense, but the more that people turn away from God, and the more that they turn away from the principles of the Scripture and the principles of the gospel and and a a gospel-filled life, uh, the more evil the world seems to become. Is that not the case? I do wish that people would take their baptismal promises seriously because they stand and they make a promise as to how they bring up their children and how they're going to pray for their children and how they're going to do everything they can to to influence their children for good and for God and to help them to find faith and to walk in the faith and to walk in the right way. That's a very important thing. But you know and I know that sometimes the tail wags the dog. And then we wonder why the next generation, we might think, are like the prodigal son leaving home to squander all that the father had ever worked for. Thankfully, the story that we read didn't end there. And what a sad story it would have been. But it didn't end there. And it's a gospel story that reminds us there's still hope. There is hope for the prodigal. There's hope for every one of us when we turn right round and receive from our heavenly Father forgiveness and our heavenly Father's welcome. That's the first one. But I want to talk about the other one. And here's the point that is so often overlooked. What about the older son? We sort of think, well, he was a good guy. He did what was right. He stayed at home. He didn't squander his father's money on on riotous living or or, or, on anything like that. Uh, Well, not quite. Not quite, when you think about it. In actual fact, there are really two prodigals in the story. It's wrong to suggest, as the title that is put on it sometimes suggests, only one. There are two prodigals. You see, the younger brother was guilty of the sins of the flesh. He, he, he was uh, wasted his substance in riotous living, to use the authorised phrase, after he'd done a runner. But the older brother was guilty of the sins of a very bad attitude. A bad attitude. And that was equally bad. And the story ended, as we read, with the older brother standing Uh, outside his father's house in a huff huffing and puffing to blow the house down he wouldn't go in why would he not go in because father had made a fuss over the one who had repented and who had returned and come back penniless I wonder what we would have done if we had been in the case of the father of the story or for that matter if we had been the older brother what we would have done would we have joined the party You see, like the older son, when we focus only on our own interests and our own self-righteousness and how good we are and how well we serve, and when we see nobody, only ourselves, and think, we might think uh, we wouldn't admit it, but, you know, we're harboring thoughts of jealousy and selfishness, and we think the blame should be on everybody. They're all wrong but me. They're all wrong but me. That's basically what the the, the older son was saying. He's wrong. I'm right. And so I contend and suggest to you today that the older brother had as much to repent of as the younger brother for whom so often we focus on in the story. Remember this it is possible to be a son and yet not act like a brother. Because that describes the older one. He was a son. But he wasn't a very good brother to his, to, his, to his sibling. Maybe There's a lesson here. Maybe God is speaking to someone here. It is possible to be a son and yet not act like a brother. It is possible also to serve and, and, and to work hard, even in the church, and to be and busy, to be very busy doing all sorts of things and yet to be out of sync with the will of God for our lives. How awful. And thirdly, it is possible to be an heir to everything the Father owns, to be an heir to the Father's possessions, and have far less joy and liberty than those who have nothing. No joy, no satisfaction, just be miserable. The well-known informative parable shows us and I think it tells us that the hired servants, the hired servants in the story had nothing. They were just called in for a day and dismissed at a moment's notice. They owned nothing. But in actual fact, they were happier than the older brother, and they were happier than the younger brother. They ate and they laughed. And they celebrated what they had. And there the older brother stood outside, busy fighting, arguing, demanding his rights. And probably the younger brother... With his head down in shame because of what he had done the older brother's attitude this is about attitude the older brother's attitude made him miserable and it's awful to be miserable he had underscores the fact that it's possible to own everything and still be totally miserable you see that on television with your uh, people who win a big lot of money some of our famous film stars and so on uh, and that this fortune of money and their lives are overtaken by drugs and trying to find satisfaction. They are miserable. It is possible in life to own everything and to be miserable. I often wonder what that thought in Jesus' mind in, in, in Mark chapter 8. Jesus said, What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, owns everything, and loses his own soul? the most important thing of all, everything, to have everything and yet nothing. So as well as the evangelistic thrust of the parable, which is very important, critically important, about our return to our heavenly Father in repentance, there's a series of lessons, I believe, for committed believers to to, to seek to put into practice in, in connection with the older brother. Our attitude... Can rob us of our joy. Isn't that awful? It's true. Our attitude can rob us of our joy. It's even possible to be busy working all the time, busy all the time, even in the affairs of the church. And I hope you're busy in the affairs of the church. But it's possible to be busy and yet feel no blessing because of some inner attitude you may be harboring to someone else we can spoil the taste of our reward by one small amount of negativity towards others. The father in the story showed forgiveness. The older son harbored a grudge. The father was overjoyed uh, when the younger younger son was coming back, ran at his feet and kissed him. The older son, downright miserable. His attitude, the older son's attitude, robbed him of the joy. Why? Because he refused to forgive. And you remember, Jesus said, If you don't forgive others their sins, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your sins. I read this somewhere that it was described, the two brothers were described like this. Both sons spent time in the pigsty. One, was in the pigsty of rebellion. That was the the younger son. But the other one was in the pigsty of resentment, the older brother. One of them came home to a welcome. Well, the other one stayed at home and just wallowed in self-righteousness. Yes, this story, this parable that Jesus told It is a gospel call, it it promises a father's welcome for a prodigal, for anyone who's gone astray and all of, uh, fallen short of the glory of God, all of us. But it's a lesson too for every believer and a challenge if our faith is working out in ways where the rubber hits the road. May God teach us as he applies his word to our hearts today. Let us pray. Thank you.